So tonight's part three, and I've called this the source of strength, the source of strength. Two weeks ago in part one, I did kind of an introduction to the book, and I called that A Radiant Report. And we looked at chapter one, verses one to eight. Um, we discovered some important information about this letter, about this epistle. And we looked at Paul's greeting to the church in, in Colossa. We introduced Timothy, uh, the evangelist, as the co-author of this um, letter and as a friend of the Colossian believers. We learned that the believers in Colossa uh, were faithful. Uh, Paul called them saints, and they were commended by both Paul and Timothy. They had received the, the gospel gladly, the good news gladly, and were now in the business of sharing the good news in that place, in the place where God had placed them. They were faithfully sharing uh, the gospel. And Paul gives his radiant report after receiving great news about the church. And we also met an important character. We know him. Uh, his name is Epaphras, uh, another young evangelist who was converted under the ministry of Paul in Ephesus. And Epaphras was the one who then brought uh, this report to Paul of all that was going on in the church in Colossae um, in Asia Minor uh, in reference to everything that the church was doing to the spread of the good news and the growth of the church in that region. Then last week, we did part two, which I called Paul's Prayer. And our study was taken from the next two verses in chapter one, where Paul continued to assure the Colossian believers of his prayers and of Timothy's. They were both praying. They were both in Rome at this time. And he writes that they did not cease to pray for the believers there in Colossa. Words of comfort and encouragement to the believers in Colossa, I'm sure. And Paul uh, exhorts the faithful saints in Colossa. He says this, we pray that you would be filled, you would be, remember we looked at that, you would be packed full, satisfied and supplied with the knowledge of the will of God alongside wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? So that you might walk worthy of the Lord, so that your life and the way that you live will be your spiritual act of worship. And we finish by reading that well-known passage from the start of Romans 12. You see, Paul and Timothy desired that each believer in that place, in that congregation, in that particular fellowship, were fruitful, that they became fruitful. And Paul writes, fruitful unto good works, basically in every good work. And he wanted them to increase in the knowledge of God, in the relationship with God. And Paul's prayer was that each and every believer would grow in relationship with the Father and with his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. And we finished by reading a wonderful passage together that we all know well, and I read it from the New Living Translation, and it was Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed, amen? And you can't take credit for this because it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Maybe you needed to come here tonight and hear that. You are God's masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do the things he planned for us long ago. That's incredible. The things he planned long ago, maybe even before you were born, he had planned good works for you. And last week, Paul left us all with the challenge to walk worthy, walk worthy, to know the knowledge of his will and increase in the knowledge of God. Look, I really pray and hope that you took some time during the week. I pray that you take time every day, as Pastor Alan shared this morning, to deepen your relationship with the Lord through prayer, through fasting, through meditating on the Word, through reading the Word, through studying the Word, and getting before Him in prayer and worship. You know, I really, I could really, um, can't think what the Word is, 
with Alan this morning when he said about when you're studying all the time, you forget to devotionally read the word, just to read it, to read it. And sometimes I get into that, I get caught in that trap. And I've been really enjoying just reading the Bible, not to study it, not just to see what the Lord would say to me. And I think it's important that we all do that daily and spend time in his presence. It's so important that we invest quality time. It's quality time into our relationship with our Heavenly Father, to sit at his feet, to be still, and to know that he is God. Look, I encouraged you last week that if you needed that wisdom that Paul and Timothy wrote to the Colossians about, to ask the Lord for it, seek him and ask him. Those wonderful words of James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And look, and it shall be given him. It shall be given to you. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. We've got to come with faith before the Lord. If you need that wisdom and if you need that spiritual understanding that Paul and Timothy desired so passionately for the believers in Colossae, can I encourage you to follow the words of James and seek the Lord and ask the Lord? And I promise if you come in faith, he will give you that wisdom. Last week, we also dipped our toes a little bit into the context surrounding this letter and why Paul and Timothy sat down and put this together. We looked for a short time at the geography of this Roman province just to see where we were in the world. You see, context, as I always say, and as anyone that's speaking says, is so key in understanding anything from the Scriptures. I've said this before, three golden rules of studying the Bible. Context, context, context. It's easy to remember, isn't it? It's the most important thing. I shared a little about the situation at this time in Colossae. Once a Greek Hellenistic town, but now under the rule of the great Roman Empire. A melting pot, a mix of beliefs and rituals, a, a, a pot of spirituality and superstitions. And the church certainly felt the effects of this, what was at times, a destructive cocktail. You see, the Colossian problem that we talked about was a Gnostic problem. Faith was kind of being pushed out by thought, by overthinking, by too many questions. It was a thought that had no place for faith, and that's where things started to get dangerous in Colossae. And Paul had to address the superstition that was creeping into the fellowship in Colossae and make sure, make sure sorry, that the church understood exactly who Jesus was and how it changed everything. Paul was passionate. Paul and Timothy were both passionate about not letting any strange doctrines or any worldly elements, as they often call them, creep into the church or sneak in under the radar and cause any confusion in the Colossian church. And I believe Paul wanted that for every church and still, and still would. He wanted the church to be biblically based and scripturally sound. Biblically based and scripturally sound. Something that we all need to be. Something that all churches need to be. And something that I desire, and I know alongside the elders here, desire this church at Glenmacken to be true to scripture, to be Bible based and to be scripturally sound. Look, church, there's so much nonsense about. I would go off on a big tangent tonight and start. But there's so much nonsense out there, I promise you. Alan shared this morning about a few things. And look, we, we need to keep our guard up. And like Paul, when, it's ta- when, when there's a proper time to call it out and correct it. If there's stuff that gets into the church here at Glenmacken, then it's up to the elders and the leadership to call it out and correct it. And it's right that we do that. Superstition, tradition, worldly spirituality had no place in the church back in the first century. And you know what? Nothing has changed. It has no place in the church today. It has no place in his body today. So on with tonight's text. 
the source of strength. Oh. Um, can I quickly read through last week's portion into tonight's? I think that will help with the flow and the context of what Paul and Timothy are trying to communicate to the saints gathered in Asia Minor in that beautiful town of Colossae. Read this with me. This is at Colossians 1, 9 to 11. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers sorry, of the inheritance of the saints in light. What a wonderful passage from the word of God. Do you agree? Our focus this evening, look, we're going to stay in verse 11, and hopefully we can learn something and be encouraged by the Word of God this evening. That's always my prayer. And it's, it's my prayer always for any service, for anyone speaking, that you leave here built up in your faith, trusting God more when you leave than when you come in, and also being changed by His precious Word. Look, it's important that we don't break up the text too much and mess with the flow of Paul's thought and his writing and in turn take something out of context. So I'm going to try and really stick to uh, the, the, the Scripture tonight. I did stop at the end of verse 10 last week, but only for time's sake. There is in reality, there's no break there at all. Paul did not take a break, and we must not make one. Um, Paul exhorts the believers, as we know, to walk worthy, to please the Lord, to be fruitful in every good work, and to increase in the knowledge of God. And then he continues to write, that each faithful believer there in Colossae be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. <laughs> Wonderful words of exhortation from the pen of the apostle and his young friend Timothy, this evangelist. Look, their desire is first of all that all the believers in that church be strengthened. Be strengthened. Church, the Lord wants his people to be strong. He wants his people to be strengthened, and he wants them to be strengthened with all might. This word, strengthened, now I would pro it's probably pronounced dunamu, but it looks like dunamu, doesn't it? So let's say dunamu. This word means to be enabled, to be confirmed, to be made strong. And Paul desires that the believers there in Colossae be strengthened, they be enabled. They be confirmed with all might, with all, we know this word, no, it's not that word, <laughs> with all dunamis, I don't have an overhead for that, with all dunamis, we've all heard this word dunamis for power, and you can see that both words are very closely linked. To have this dunamis is to be gifted by God with ability, with abundance, and with strength. Now, not to get too deep into the Greek, but this phrase in the original language literally reads like this, in all force to enable. In all force to enable. I love that. You can hear the Colossian believers respond. Yes, Paul, that sounds amazing. That sounds wonderful. We want to be strong. We want to be strengthened. We want to be enabled. We want to be confirmed with this ability and this abundance that you speak of. It sounds truly wonderful. But Paul, one thing, where do we get it? Where do we get this from? Where can we find this might and this strength that you want us to have in abundance? Well, you know what? Thankfully, it wasn't to be found in themselves. We can't find it in ourselves. 
or in anyone else that they knew, anyone that they worked with, anyone that they did life with, no human could provide the strength for them. And it wasn't an earthly or a worldly might. It came from the only one who has all power and all authority, the one true God. Listen to what Paul tells them, church. According to his glorious power, who's Paul? Who are you talking about? Who's he talking about? The Lord. He's talking about the Lord. According to the Lord's glorious power. You see, this word, this power is dominion. The word literally means to be mighty with great power. I said that very posh, didn't I? To be mighty. Sorry, Debbie. To be mighty. Pretend to be posh. To be mighty with great power. Look, I don't think there's a better description of the Lord, is there? He is mighty with great power. It's a perfect picture of him. And it's not just power. It's not just power that he has. It's glorious power that Paul calls it. Glorious power. Doxa power. Remember that word doxa, said. Doxa. Now you can speak. You can tell people you can speak ancient Greek. <laughs> Dunamis and doxa. This word doxa has so much contained in it. So much. It's so good. It comes from a root word meaning of good reputation. It carries the sense of dignity, of honor, of praise, and of worship. And do you know what? It primarily means something that has glory that is very apparent, something that's obvious, something that has obvious glory. Church, is our God not glorious? Is he not glorious? Is, is he not the most glorious wonder in the entire universe? His glory is very, very, very apparent for everyone to see. No one can miss it. It's plain for all of us to see in the Word and in this wonderful world that he created. Yes, God is powerful, but it is glorious power. A power that is worthy of all honor, of all glory, of all praise, and of all worship. Amen. What is Paul trying to communicate through these words of his under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God? Well, can I try and summarize what we read a little bit earlier? Paul and Timothy, I believe, are praying passionately that each believer will be filled to overflowing with the knowledge of the Lord's will, with wisdom, with spiritual discernment, so that each faithful saint can walk worthy. They can walk in a befitting manner before the Lord, that he might be pleased by their lives. Paul and Timothy long and desire to see these believers produce good fruit in every good work, no matter how small the work is, no matter how big the work is, it's the fruit that's important. And they are praying that every Colossian saint increases in the knowledge of God and that the most important relationship in their lives not only survives, but thrives. That it thrives. And if that isn't good enough, if that's not good enough stuff that we can all have, if we desire it, Paul and Timothy then go on to pray that in addition to all of this, that every follower of Jesus in that town, in that region, would be strengthened in the Lord. They would be strengthened by the Lord, strengthened with all might, but not their own. This strength comes from the all-powerful one, the one who rules and reigns in glorious power, the Lord God Almighty. Can you say amen to that? And, with, and that this might, that this abundance and this ability would help the believers, listen, live patiently and be able to suffer with joy, with gladness. Church, this is too good to be true. This is truly wonderful tonight. We don't, 
understand this. We, us here tonight, gathered at Glenmacken, like those Colossian believers all those years ago, do not have to rely on our own strength. We don't have to. Let's be honest. Our own strength, it's worthless and it's useless. But we can, like those in Colossae, be strengthened, be enabled, be built up with his might by his glorious power. I did a little search through the scriptures to find some passages that spoke of the power and the strength of God. Is it okay if I share some with you this evening? I'm doing it anyway. This is the God we serve. I want you to hear this. A God of strength, a God of glorious might and power. Look, there's no one stronger. There's no one greater. There's no one mightier than he. And no one preaching to the choir tonight. He is the almighty, all-powerful, glorious God. He's robed in strength and in beauty. You don't believe me? Listen to the word of God tonight. Let's start in Job. He stretches out the north over the empty place and hangs the earth upon nothing. Hangs the earth upon nothing. <laughs> Incredible. He bindeth up the waters in his thick clouds, and the cloud is not rent under them. He holds back the face of his throne and spreadeth his cloud upon it. He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. He divides the sea with his power, and by his understanding he smiteth through the proud. By his spirit he has garnished the heavens. His hand has formed the crooked serpent. Lo, these are parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? His power, who can understand? Psalm 147. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathered together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. He tells the number of the stars and calls them by their names. Listen, great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Jeremiah 10, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Thus shall, he say unto, thus shall ye say unto them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. But listen, he has made the earth by his power. He has established the world by his wisdom and has stretched out the heavens by his discretion. I love that. Romans 1, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even, look, his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do, we hear this quoted all the time, exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, how? According to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, 
world without end. Amen. Amen. Church, did you hear that? The power that works in us, his power working in us, it's not our power, it's God's power. Church, we can't do anything for ourselves. We need his might and his strength and his power in our lives. And listen to this incredible, incredible, incredible passage from the pen of Peter. Again, here is scripture making it clear that it is God's power that works in us and works through us. Second Peter 1, 1 to 3. You all know your Bibles. You all know this. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of, our Lord Jesus, and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Did you see it? Did you catch it? It is his divine power that gives every believer, including you and me, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Do you think that might include strength? Do you think that might include might? Do you think it might include what we need to get through every day? You see, God knows what we need and he can supply all our needs according to what? His riches and glory. He has riches in glory. I can tell you tonight without any shadow of a doubt that God's power will never, ever run out. It has never run out and it never will run out. He rules and reigns in glorious power, as Paul calls it, and he chooses to strengthen us. Why? Because we are his children. Paul wanted it for the Colossian believers and I believe he would pray along with Timothy and desire it for us too here at Glenmacken. Look, church, I'm, I'm sorry. I haven't even made it to the second half of verse 11 and I'm, and I'm running out of time. I do sincerely apologize. But do you know what? I just love reading the word of God. I love getting into it. I love seeing what the word of God has to say to each and every one of us. Discovering the truth of who our God is and what he has done in us and for us. Can I exhort you tonight and encourage you tonight like Paul and Timothy did with the Colossians? Walk worthy. Be filled with the knowledge of his will. Do all that you can to please him because he deserves no less. Keep doing those good works. Church, it doesn't matter how small they are. Those good works, God had them planned before you were even born. So do them. If they're producing fruit, do it. Do you know what? Sometimes the things we do, we don't even know the fruit that they produce. We, 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 we can plant seeds in young people's lives. We can just say a word to someone and you don't know what that will do for them. Keep doing those small good works and keep producing that flute. Keep flute, fruit. Keep serving him and keep serving others. You're all making me nervous. Church, can I encourage you? Get alone with the Father. Just get alone with the Lord. Be in the Word. Pray, fast. If you need to fast, fast. Seek him, Ask him for wisdom if you need it. And you know what? When you're in the word and, his pre and in his presence, I promise that you will increase in what Paul calls the knowledge of God. Your relationship with the Lord will be so much sweeter and deeper. Church, why, why do we not make more time to be with the Lord? I don't understand why we don't do it. I'm terrible at it sometimes, but I know that I need to get before him 
in the word, in prayer, in fasting, and just seeking his face. And you know what? When you need strength for whatever situation or whatever circumstance you face, know in your heart of hearts that the Lord can and he will supply it where from the riches of his glorious power. Because, because he's the all-knowing, he's the all-powerful, glorious, king of kings and lord of lords. And I promise he can strengthen you in your time of trouble. Doxa, dunamo, glorious power. It's not what our God has, it's what our God is. He exists as glorious power. He's worthy of all glory, all honor, all worship, and all praise tonight, yes, but tomorrow and for all eternity. Church, walk worthy and be strengthened by that glorious power. What does Paul close verse 11 with? We didn't make it there tonight, but we will next week. Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Now that's gonna be a good one. All long-suffering with joyfulness. There's an oxymoron if you've ever heard one. That sounds good. Can I leave you tonight with a modern uh, rendering of verse 11, just to take with you? Think of Paul and Timothy praying this for the believers in Colossae. This is Paul and Timothy writing, we ask him, that's the Lord, we ask Jesus to strengthen you by his glorious might with all the power you need to patiently endure everything with joy.